Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When I need an expert to talk about all things NFL, specifically the NFL draft, I call on our next guest. We go up to the Pacific Northwest. John Clayton, NFL insider, host on 710 ESPN Seattle and host of the Schooled with the Professor podcast the professor joins us now. J.C., Jody Mack here. How are you, bud? Jody Mack, it's always great to be with you, as you know. My pleasure. Thank you. That's nice of you to say. You lie well. Uh, let's see if we can stick to the facts here when it comes to the NFL. Uh, okay. For, for many a year, uh, when they had the NFL draft uh, in New York, uh, I got to see it the draft. Usually you were part of the ESPN radio broadcast. I hosted a bunch of shows for WFAN, our New York station, uh, and oftentimes our tables would not be all that far apart. So I know how well you know the NFL draft, how well sourced you are with teams and scouts and people on the know in the NFL draft. We're going to have five quarterbacks taken, guaranteed in the top ten picks, maybe in the top seven, I think there's an outside chance that the first five names they're called in the draft are all quarterbacks. From your sources, are they worthy of this kind of status? Is this an unbelievably good quarterback class, or is it just desperation and need in the NFL at this time? No, I think what it, it, what it is is uh, you, know, you, you start to look ahead to next year, and it's not a good quarterback draft. I mean, this is a good to- quarterback draft with the five first-rounders, but uh, there's like anything else, you look back in history, uh, usually it's a 50-50 split that you have, you know, too go- good, too bad, and then we'll see about another one. And so there's going to be mistakes made out of this. It's just simple as that. But uh, I think you can see there's a little bit of an urgency. But the way I see it going right now is that uh, I don't see Atlanta taking a quarterback at number four. I think they're going to take a position player, probably Penny Sewell, the tackle out of Oregon. Then I can see that uh, it's going to be a debate in Detroit whether they take Justin Fields at number seven. It is, I think it's definitely going to be, and we can get into this too, Mac Jones at number three, which may sound like a surprise, but it isn't because that's the type of quarterback that Kyle Shanahan wants. And then it's a matter of figuring out what happens with, uh, you know, with Trey Lance. I've got no problems with uh, Mac Jones going number three. Uh, here's how I, and long before... The teams, even we knew who would be drafting in what places. I had a specific order of the five top quarterbacks in the draft this year. I had Lawrence one, Fields two, 
Mac Jones three, Wilson four, and Trey Lance five. Now that was my order of the talent level of the players and how I thought their uh, talents would play in the NFL. Then we find out who the teams are and needs and everything else, and it changes the equation. But that's the order I had him in. So I had Mac Jones as the third highest quarterback, and if two quarterbacks go in front of him, I got no problems with him being the third guy off the board. I do like Justin Fields more than it seems like some NFL teams at the drop of the at the top of the draft do. You suggested that he might be sitting around seven. Detroit would have to make a decision. Uh, wh- why do you think Justin Fields is falling, or do you think he's not falling? It's just I have an overinflated opinion of him. No, I think what it is is that you know you have preferences on the teams. Like for example, you can see that the time the Jets spent with Zach Wilson that once they got the Wilson uh, workout done and once they got all the workouts done, boom, Sam Darnold goes to the Carolina Panthers. So that pretty well tells you that Zach Wilson is going to be the second pick, and it's probably their preference more than anything else. Uh, then, of course, the, the reason for Kyle Shanahan taking Mac Jones is even though uh, you even go back to uh, Washington when he was the offensive coordinator there. Sure, they had RG3 because the owner wanted RG3, but he pretty much, as time went on, preferred Kirk Cousins. So what Kyle Shanahan is looking for is an accurate, smart quarterback who knows down and distance and knows what to do in down and distance, and that's going to be uh, Mac. Uh, that's going to be Jones. So you can see how that fit is, and that's a matter now. Detroit, uh, you know they. They probably now have a, probably a two-year commitment for Jared Goff this year and next year, but still, you know, I think that uh, they, they they're going to consider it very strongly. And then it's a matter that I know some people close to Bill Belichick says he's not going to trade up. I still think he trades up, and then he goes for Trey Lance. I don't know if that's going to be at number nine. Don't know if it's going to be at number eleven. Uh, you know, Washington, if it's, if he starts to drop Lance into the high teen or the low teens, they'll try to trade up. But I do think that uh, you're, you're probably looking at. You know, five quarterbacks going in the top 12 or 13. And, of course, one of the things that's so interesting about this draft, which is so strange, you may only have two defensive players go in the top 12 or 13, which is remarkable. Yeah, and uh, it, it may even drop even further than that. I think the quarterbacks are going to go a little higher than you do. So I am a fan of this class. If I ask you to put the five in the order of talent, now, uh, it's going to be dictated production once they get to their new teams and the coaches they have and the players they have around them. But just on a talent basis, how would you rank the five quarterbacks? Well, Trevor Lawrence, number one. Uh, I'd still go with uh, Zach Wilson, number two. Number three, then I would go with Justin Fields. Number four, I'll go with uh, Trey Lance. And then number five, uh, Mac Jones. So I think because you can look at Mac, he's got a little bit of a pawn. She's you know uh, not not the best athlete as far as moving around. That's something that Kyle Shanahan just doesn't care about. But I would have him as number five. But again, not to a point where it's like oh he should drop to the middle or bottom of the first round. I mean it's a matter that uh, you know if he's going to be available for Bill Belichick. You know again there's still doubts whether uh, the Patriots would trade up. I could still see that happening because you know here's a chance to get a young quarterback to at least come in. And next year, you know, who knows what happens to Cam Newton in 2022. He's on a one-year deal. But uh, I could still see that as a possibility. John Clayton, the professor, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, J.C., you mentioned two defensive players, maybe in the first 10, 11, 12, 13, some of their bats, going to be a major offensive run. We got two or three wide receivers up at the top, the unbelievable tight end, all the quarterbacks, minimum of two offensive linemen. Could the first two defensive players taken both be cornerbacks 
in a league I where getting to the passer is supposed to be all important. I know there isn't a standout one like Chase Young last year, but can we go to the first 12, 13, 14 players without a defensive lineman or an outside linebacker who can get to the QB coming off the board? Yeah, although I tell you, I had uh, Micah, Micah Parsons, the Penn State linebacker, going to Detroit at number seven, and now I tend okay. to doubt that. And I can see him slipping down to maybe 13, somewhere in that area. But I think it looks pretty solid that the two cornerbacks, particularly you know, with I, – I don't, I don't buy Denver taking a cornerback. And the reason for that, even though Patrick Sertain is going to be the cornerback they're going to look at very strongly. Uh, but, you know, you, you think about the idea they put – $10 million a year into Ronald Darby. They got nine and a half into Kyle Fuller, and they've also got a five-plus million dollar uh, slot cornerback in Bryce Callahan. It's like, you're telling me with the ninth pick in the draft, they're going to take a cornerback and let them sit and not play the first year? Because they're not like they're going to put four cornerbacks out there. So I have to think that you know, they'll look offensive line. You know, they may look to trade down. You know, but I, I, but I think right now the two cornerbacks, believe it or not, because you know Dallas is going to take one, and they're going to love it if they get Patrick Sertain. So, uh, you know, so I, I think two cornerbacks could go in the top 12 or 13, but you know, no defensive lineman, the only linebacker that would be with Micah Parsons, because you start to look at the edge rushers, and there's going to be about four that will go in the first round. You know, they'll start going maybe as high as 11. You know, I, I tend to think that you know the Giants might consider it, but you know that the Vikings are going to take an edge rusher, and so I can see four going in the first round. Right, but not at the very top. Uh, you and I are on the exact same page there. All right, free agency is slowing down precipitously. We got wave one where all the top guys sign, and you get a couple of stragglers. Now you're getting guys signing one-year contracts, uh, perfectly fine with going back out into the market when they know the number will be up again next year because hopefully we're a little further down the line at beating down the curve of COVID and uh, new TV money kicks in and everyone expects the cap to go up. Uh, so you're getting guys still signing at this time, but all short, short-term deals. I know it's probably a fool's errand, but we always look for winners and losers in free agency. Was there a team or two that you thought played the game better than everybody else? Is there a team or two that you thought uh, men, uh, I thought they were trying to improve this upcoming season, yet they're not adding near enough talent to their roster. Well, in, in the big picture, when you really look at it, there was so much more action in the AFC than there was the NFC. And consequently, I think that you can look at three teams in the AFC East that were big winners. I mean, you have to look at New England being the biggest winner because they're able to get 10 free agents, uh, two $12.5 million tight ends, two decent receivers. They're able to get uh, Matthew Juden. They were able to get you know some defensive line help. I like what the Jets did because I think you know, I'm still surprised that uh, Cincinnati let Carl Lawson go because he's a good defensive end. And so he goes to the Jets. They get Corey Davis. You know, thought they did a really good job. Thought Miami did a nice job too. Not that they overspent or anything like that, but they you know they were able, were able to get Will Fuller at the wide receiver. Thought they added some good depth there. So I look at them as you know those three teams as really doing well. Certainly, you have to look positively at Jacksonville because you know they they got about uh, oh I think what is it nine about uh, twelve guys and the mm-hmm. big one they got was Shaquille Griffin at cornerback that certainly helped. So I like what they did too. But again, when you look at the big picture, it's more the AFC teams than the NFC teams. Interesting. Breaks down by conference. I like it, Professor. All right. A story that's gained a lot of traction over the last 24, 48 hours. The NFLPA 
is lobbying its players to hold out from pass on off-season workouts. They did it all last year because we were in the midst of the pandemic. It was still rising at the time, and all workouts were done virtually uh, via computers and lines and stuff like that. They did not gather in groups. The NFLPA hopes that that's the same again this year. Teams are planning on players coming in for individual workouts. So still getting socially distanced in, but at least having them in-house uh, early rumblings are they're going to have a hard time talking their entire group into the joining together and saying, no, we're not showing up until we absolutely have to when camps open up. Do you think there's a chance that the players are going to make this happen? Is this going to become a major sticking issue as the season gets closer? Yeah, talking to a couple of general managers today, I do think there's a chance that the NFLPA may be able to win on this because you know, at this stage, now again, April 19th is the first day for the OTAs. And, of course, the plan from the NFL is not only they want people in the building, but at some point they want players on the field. And, you know, that's another thing that the players don't want to do. But as we get closer to the April 19th date, I think there's a chance that the NFL could back down. Now, coaches aren't going to back down. Teams aren't going to back down. But I think in the end, you know, you can see that uh, you know, you're still – not vaccinated in the National Football League. You can still see a lot of issues, even still as far as traveling and all that stuff. So I, I get the feeling there is a chance, particularly if the players come out strong enough to be able to uh, you know, say, okay, we're going to boycott this and we're not going to be there, then I think the NFL is going to back down. But could you imagine what it's going to be like? I mean, for example, uh, if you're the New England Patriot player and you don't show up for Bill Belichick, there's going to be problems there. <laughs> Certainly if Urban Meyer with his first year there, you don't show up for him, there's going to be problems. But I think this one's going to have to butt heads in the next uh, seven days because by the 19th, I know that that's nine days away, You know, there's got to be some decisions made. And I think right now the players have a chance. Something we've got to keep our eye on this week. All right, um, 17 games. We knew that it was coming. We know that they agreed to it. They just had to get the players to sign off on it, and then they could finish up their mega billion dollar new network deals which all got done so now it's a done deal there is no way that roger goodell can make a claim that the players are just as safe that they're not putting themselves at risk playing an extra regular season game as compared to one less preseason game how much bigger at risk are they do the the players signed off so there isn't really much they can do about it at this stage Will they be sorry that they signed off on this? Although they're putting more coin in their pocket, they are putting their bodies at more risk. Yeah, they are. And, of course, I mean, because I, I, I chart all the missed starts, and I, I don't double cheat or anything like that because when a player is a starter and he misses you know, 16 games I don't or 15 games, I don't put his replacement in there. And so last year, for example, there was like 1,964 missed starts in the National Football League, which was up. And again, that was because, again, there was no offseason program for pretty much everybody. And again, that may be the case again this year. But no, it's going to be a problem because, you know, you know, each week in the NFL, you figure there's going to be two or three, maybe four injuries that is going to affect the next week or maybe the entire season. And now when you're talking about the extra extra game, it's going to even wear teams out even more. So it's a concern. But also the big thing is, one, it did get more money for the players because, you know, they have the uh, 48.5%. Now, as far as the uh, breakup of the salary cap, and also, I mean, now you can have you know 17 checks. What's interesting is that you know now what they're going to do is they're not going to pay on a biweekly basis like they normally do. They're going to spread out the payments for like over 30 weeks, 
over the course of the year. And so that's going to be kind of interesting to see how they do that. But it's more money for the players. It's more games for the fans. You know, more money as far as things for the NFL. So uh, you knew it was going to go that way, particularly, too, you know, we don't know where next year's cap's going to be. You know, I don't know if you heard what DeMora Smith of the union said a couple weeks ago. He said, if there was not a floor for the cap this year, the cap would have been $166 million. Can you imagine that? So they had to borrow over $16 million from future caps to be able to just get it up to 182.5. So then what you wonder, you know, because again, the TV money doesn't kick into 2023, is that the, is the cap even going to go as high as 198.2, which it was in 2003? Uh, 20 it may not so it is something we another thing we have to keep our eye on all right i asked you about players and showing up for off-season workouts and maybe a defection on moss as per the nfl pa well one guy we can be pretty darn sure is not showing up is sean watson uh, he's got the ongoing lawsuits against him uh he's not going to want to show up i don't know that the texans would want him to show up for off-season workouts at this stage but at some point, we're going to get to camp. And when you get to camp, you kind of need your starting quarterback there. Uh, I don't think the Texans want to trade him. I don't think they can trade him. If they try to trade him now, it would be at a majorly reduced rate. We need some more answers that may be provided by lawsuits, may be provided by the NFL. The NFL at some point is going to have to make their decision on whether they're going to take action against him. And uh, I think they've shown of late they, they prefer. They don't always wait, but they prefer to wait till court cases are settled before they come out with their findings will Houston what will Houston do will they tell Deshaun he has to show up will they tell him to stay away we know Deshaun prefers not to show up because he doesn't want to play for the Texans again how is it going to shake out by the time the Texans are scheduled to open up camp yeah I mean uh, right now you'd have to figure that he's going to miss camp you figure that he probably misses a bait in the start of the regular season if he holds to his desire not to be uh, a Texan anymore. And then, you know, the trade talks are dead because I think you saw that this week. You know, the, t- the team most interested in getting him was Deshaun, uh, was the Carolina Panthers, okay? And so they waited. Texans weren't saying they were going to take any trade talk or anything of that nature. And so they said, okay, fine, we'll, we'll go for Sam Darnold and get that deal done. And that's exactly what they did. Now it's a matter that uh, you know, there's no urgency from the NFL standpoint. I think the first thing that has to be decided is what the Houston police are going to do. Because if they're going to have any case or a grand jury or whatever, if they create a grand jury and make some charges against him, Watson, then I can see him going on the exempt list. But there's no urgency right now because, number one, I mean, he's not going to show up. And number two, they're not going to trade him. So it's like, uh, you know, just kind of wait it out, see what the police do. All right, J.C., last thing, speaking of quarterbacks and uh, trade rumors, you're up there in Seattle. Know that it got kicked around pretty good. Russell Wilson kind of opened the door by making statements uh, at the end of the season shortly after the Super Bowl. He's tired of getting hit and the like. Um, And uh, I'm sure teams inquired of Russell's availability. Uh, I didn't think the Seahawks wanted to trade him, any desire to trade him, weren't really in the mode to trade him, but it generated some good speculation and conversation. How close did it get at any time during this offseason? Did anyone even intrigue Seattle or was just, hey, thanks for the call anytime anybody buzzed? Yeah, and it was more John Snyder, the general manager, saying, hey, thank you for the information. We're not trading him. I mean, so it's like he wants to hear the conversations just to know the market, but there was no chance at all they were ever going to trade him. And the reason being is that, uh, 
Yeah, Russell may have been upset about the offensive line, but he also wanted to have more of a voice in some of the decisions on offense. And he had a voice. I mean, he had a voice as far as the offensive coordinator change. He had a voice as far as some of the players that they brought in. You know, they were able to make the Gabe Jackson trade. They were able to get Gerald Everett. They were able to get Chris Carson back. But here was the big thing is why there was never, ever, ever going to be a trade, is that if you trade him, he has $39 million of proration in his signing bonus for the next three years. That means that you have to take a $39 million cap hit, and there's not been, that's over 24% of their cap. And that being the case, there's never been a time since 2013 a team that has more than 20.4% in their cap made the playoffs. Well, this team wasn't struggling to be a rebuilding team for two or three years. This is a 12-win team that's been adding to the roster and adding very significantly. And so there was never going to be a trade. It was the most over-talked-about thing I've ever seen in the NFL because, again, it was never going to have a result as a trade. Didn't think so. But then again, a lot of people said there's no way the Eagles will trade Carson Wentz because they're going to have to take a $30 million dead cap hit. And they did. But Carson Wentz was bad. Russell Wilson was an MVP yeah. candidate. So that kind of made it a, a moot point. By, by the way, Jody, I don't know if you saw the story this week. Carlos Dunlap, who re-signed, talked to Russell at length uh, before he re-signed just to say, hey, no, wait a second, you're going to be there, aren't you? And he said, Yes, I'm definitely going to be there. And even Brandon Marshall, my buddy from uh, Pittsburgh, uh, interviewed him. And he initially said, because he's tight with Russell, is that, oh, Russell's, he's, he wants out of there. He came back this week and he says, nope, Russell's going to be there for a long period of time. So yeah. I think the situation has been resolved. Russell, in fact, this week should be working with some of the uh, teammates uh, down in California someplace, trying to get them ready for the off season and get him ready for the season. So he's in a good place right now. But smart guys like you and I know that these things aren't happening, but we don't throw all cold water on it right away because it gives us plenty to talk about. And then we come out and say, yeah, it was never really going to happen after the fact. Yeah. We love stories like this. John, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. Always a pleasure. Uh, make sure you check in on the podcast. Schooled with the professor. John Clayton here with us on CBS Sports Radio. Talk to you soon, John. Okay, Jody, thanks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.